When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. It's a much better mood in my end of the world here today. Well, not mood, I'm feeling... Let's just say 10 out of 10, and it's amazing how good you feel when your lungs work. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> I, uh, got when some when there isn't fluid in your lungs? There's no fluid in my lungs. It's here. They pump me full of antibiotics and whatnot for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm feeling literally the obviously had the pneumonia and the collapsed lung and the pleurisy for quite a period of time, and I, which I didn't know. I'm feeling literally amazing. It's just a shame that we're not really allowed to leave our house to, <laughs> at the moment, but Fingers crossed, I'm just going to say it, is uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more next week once we get a full understanding, but uh, regional Victoria might be out and about, so there might be a few more reports, Pat, of the state of Victoria with the, with the fishing side of things, and um, obviously the metro is a little bit different, but the regional side of things, hopefully you and I can discuss a few more things in the, in the coming weeks as that uh, temperature does heat up and things do get a bit more active in the fishing side of things. Now, no one keeps a greater um, awareness or deciphers Dan Andrews' press conferences more than you because you're interested in where you can and can't fish. Victoria's response seems to have changed over the past uh, week and rather than eliminating the virus entirely, it seems to be around managing, hence opening up rural Victoria, which... 12 months ago would not have been the case and wasn't the case despite this Delta strain being uh, more contagious. What does that mean for interstate travel and boating and fishos right around the country being able to pass borders when two of the most densely populated states, well, the two most densely populated, being New South Wales and Victoria, are the two essentially epicentres for COVID at the moment, clearly other states, Redmond, unless there's a really high vaccine rate, they're not going to be opening the borders. It is going to make it very, very difficult to travel between states for those chasing um, billfish from Bermagui, from Eden, heading up through New South Wales to hit Queensland, those wanting to chase the massive whiting uh, across into South Australia, um, Port Mac, the tuna again. Now, clearly the vast majority of those that that fish Western Australia or or travel to fish Western Australia will do it via plane. You're not going to take your boat across the Nullarbor. 
But for those those bottom end states, South Australia, Victoria, and New South Wales, that are all passable with maxi trailable boats and reasonably comfortable in terms of how you can travel. The challenge for this will be the inability to cross state lines unless there is an opening between New South Wales and Victoria for recreational anglers. For once, those maxi travel boats, and we spoke to Adam Davey from Davey Marine a few weeks ago around a huge amount of his clients will pack up on a on a Thursday night, on a Friday afternoon, uh, will travel um, majority of the night and they'll get to Burmy. They'll get to Eden, um, and, and these different destinations with their big trailer boats overnight and fish over the weekend. Now, clearly that can't happen at the moment. Are you advocating is, you know, clearly you're hoping that there is an ability to, to cross over Redmond and fish from state to state. Perhaps this is a vehicle to do that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm more feeling for places, for example, like uh, Burmy Bait and Tackle, uh, regular the guest of the show, Pat Scotty, um, who owns the tackle store there, they've had last year affected massively with the tuna run. Obviously, the tuna out of – we wouldn't even know where the tuna were at the moment other than the commercial guys. But it's just the fine the, – I guess the money side of it. I, because another year without us going there could see a lot of these shops shut down because New South Wales uh, marlin fishery and the tuna fishery and the kingfish fishery – uh, along in those small country towns like Tarthra, Ulladulla, Jervis, Jarvis Bay, uh, Eden, like you said before, caravan parks, everything rely on us. And if we can't get back there, I'm going to be very worried when I try and book something next the following year to see what's actually going to be open. But the only thing that I'm positive for is just looking at the positive side of it is the vax, the the COVID itself. And if you think about summer last year traditionally not this delta variant because we don't know what it's going to do during the summer but that pretty much from just before christmas onwards we nearly had a clear run we, we got to over oh, what was it well over 50 days with no cases at all pat so it was manageable so hopefully with the warmer warmer weather running through our states as well as new south wales south australia and uh victoria because if you think about it wa is my theory wa is obviously a lot warmer than Victoria, as well as Queensland is a lot warmer. And they, they seem to have a lot more control on the virus than these colder these colder cities like Melbourne and Sydney and the ACT at the moment. So fingers crossed. Yeah, there's, the lots weather of, place. there's a lot less people. Though. I don't think that's – I'm not sure how much that has to do with it. It's it, the, clearly the density well, of the cities. Well, the flu, the flu, for example, is stronger in Victoria than it is in any other state. Because of the and and they say the flu is a winter is a winter a winter uh, disease like it's a that's what it is it, it spreads when the temperatures are at their coldest that's where the, that's when that's what the virus is at its strongest so surely it has to play a role in it and hopefully this summer with vaccinations taking over as well as a warmer wet like in the outside have you had your vaccination vaccination's the number one thing that we need and. I'm not into it. If you want to get vaccinated, you can do it. I'm not going down that path of it. But that's obviously what the government's aiming at. I am vaccinated, but it's each to your own. But if we get to 80%, that's when it's going to open. And they're aiming at November. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you and I are literally sitting here in December 
talking about me getting ready to go onto the Marlin or head into South Australia if the borders open because I want to go and fish Green Island, Greenly Islands, and I want to go chase this kingfish and the Samson fish out off there. So I don't know. I, I'm feeling for more of the tackle stores and the caravan parks and whatnot than uh, than, than pretty much anything else. Speaking of what you've been chasing, uh, during the week you got out and and really hammered the gummy sharks. Caught seven in a day. I think it was, I think it was the Wednesday um, when we were chatting earlier in the week. You've had a really good, um, really good go at it out on the boat. Clearly, it's been challenging for those. But talk us through if you have the ability to get offshore and fish for gummies. Um, give us your report for the week. Yeah, it's it's fishing really really well, and I I know that a couple of people that i've spoken to around the state of victoria that's where i'm talking that's where i'm fishing at the moment is literally the whole state's fishing well from portland right down to port ferry i know the other side of the border into south australia school sharks and gummies fishing very very well and you've also got uh right down to gippsland into lakes entrance the gummies are really fishing well down there too and like you said we had a day that first sort of warm spring day it was around that 25 degrees on the wednesday it was beautiful. The conditions were literally beautiful. Light northerly, offshore. There was a fair bit of swell. The swell was up. Getting out of the river was a little bit tricky, but it was well and truly fishable. And we got seven of them. The best bait was salmon by far. But I actually, what I did was chasing more of the snapper pat. And we often talk about fishing snapper and gummies two different ways. Now, this will work literally anywhere you're targeting gummy sharks and snapper. Is if you're fishing gummies, I tend to fish up not on the reef as such, not up on that 20, say 25 meters. And the reason I'm going to give you this example is every sort of reef has a drop off to where it meets sort of sands. So you follow your contours and if you're in 10 meters, you're up on top of the reef and then there'll be an edge that falls to 15 where the sand will be in that area again. Then you'll go back on, then it'll make its way to reef again into that say 20 meters. Again, you might find another patch of reef and then in 25. And that's the example I'm giving you. And I've fished in 30 meters, just shy of 30 right on the edge on this rubbly ground so i wasn't up on the heavy heavy reef that i normally fish for gummies and that's where i get my real big ones i was actually on the rubble moor fishing for gummies slash snapper and in the ocean i actually burly for my snapper and it's with that red rocket that we dropped down to the bottom but i just couldn't find any snapper i i I did a couple of i didn't do many moves because obviously time limited but what i did do was i sounded around those general areas that i fish and not marking much snapper up that i'll tend to like and having the technology that we do with the garments we use is it works really well to basically see fishes there so off the reef we got those gummies off the reef but they were smaller i think the biggest was maybe around that 11 kilo and that we got them from sort of three kilo to, to 11 kilo so uh range of sizes and salmon was by far our best bait i had squid down there too and the squid caught the smallest gummies which i always find that it does do often you'll talk about sitting just off the reef as you as you have today and and you'll talk about keeping clear of the the pickers the parrot fish and the like that'll that'll disrupt your fishing are you tempted at any stages whilst you're out when you're not getting the target species of fish to get closer to the reef or is it just not worth the hassle <laughs> that'll be brought up when you get too close it's so funny you ask that because that that went through our heads probably 65 times, especially at the start for the first half an hour when we're on it. We're obviously on a limited time at the moment. And for the first half an hour, we're like, all right, we need to, we, we might need to move closer. Get something. Yeah. It was just dead, like dead. We got a few gurnards, a couple of cod, slimy cod, they're rubbish. And 
I said to Kane, I said, no, 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 stop. We're sticking it out. I said, I got my plan. I'm going to burly. I'm going to hope the snapper are running this edge and they're going to come to us on the rubble. I don't want it because I know once I get up on that reef pad, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to have literally reef fish one after the other going through baits. And I haven't got a lot of bait at the moment because I haven't been able to get out there and chase my salmon and do my stock up of squid either that I'd like to start chasing this time of the year. I just don't have a lot of bait either. So I was running uh, whiting heads. I had a little bit of squid that I had left and some salmon that Kano found in his uh, freezer that I reckon was 100 years old. So it, it worked really well still. But, yeah, I, you can get sucked in by getting up on the reef. If But I wasn't – don't get me wrong. It's not getting sucked in. Getting up on the reef is great, but you need to then start using your ras fillets, the stuff that doesn't get broken up like your salmon and your squid because it just won't last. So that's when I tend to fish the big salmon bait so it lasts longer. I tend to fish with the actual reef species in itself up on it. But once I get off it in that rubble, you could nearly run pilchards and a little bit of squid chasing the snapper like we did, like we always do. So, yeah, you can always get sucked in and it's, it's always in the back of your mind, Pat, that's for sure. Let's take a bit of a look around the country and what sort of sparked your interest uh, around points of interest when it comes to fishing. Obviously, there's been um, significant um, inhibitors throughout New South Wales with how far you can go, where you can go, and so there's limitations there. Are you seeing anything uh, across that eastern seaboard, Redmond, that you're liking? Well, the restrictions are playing a fair bit of a role, so I'm seeing stuff out of that sort of port hacking region into Byron Bay there. That's the... I think the reason we're seeing that is a lot of people live in that area and it's accessible to the people that live there. So you, getting offshore is the hard bit. To fish I did off the beach, of, yeah. Yeah, to get, it, it's, it's sort of a little bit difficult. So I'm seeing Taylor again on the surface as well as salmon. The brim were okay during the week, uh, but I didn't see a lot of reports. And I reckon once that once that gets a big flush out with some rain, that's going to change things very quickly. Uh, but – I'd be if I was living there. I'd be right at this minute loading up on the salmon, Pat. I'd be loading up on that salmon that's there because the snapper fishery is gonna. And I know the soft plastics work really well out of that Sydney region, right up and down the Ulladulla coast, all the way up to, uh, well, pretty much right up, well above Sydney. So soft plastics work well, but if they can't get them on plastics, never hurts to have salmon out there because they'll always eat that. So that's the that's the New South Wales side of things. Heading into WA. The Bustleton Jetty. And speaking of WA, Patrick, are you allowed to sneak out for a fish just before I get my reporting? <laughs> well, where we're staying, we're staying at the trade winds in Fremantle. I can see the water, <laughs> just not allowed to go anywhere near it. But during the week, Wednesday the 1st, which ended up being uh, horrifically windy and horizontal rain, uh, was the start of um, southwest, I suppose, freshwater fishing season. So that opened up. Um, and there's been stocking um, through Wreck uh, Fish West and the Fisheries WA. So if you head to their website, you can get a really good um, idea on where it's been stocked from the Pemberton Hatchery. Um, so there's been streams and dams right across the country being stocked, and it's a, it's a great time to fish it early whilst uh, there hasn't been too many uh, people fishing it. If you head... Back to Boston Jetty, which I was talking about a second ago. The squid fishing's been been sensational off the jetty there. Once again, I'll say it again, match your jig for the depth you're fishing. Count it down so it sinks at a nice slow rate to the bottom. No matter where you're fishing for squid or calamari, anywhere in the country, make sure you've got that jig sinking perfectly. If for bait fish shows, plenty of tailor 
off the off the jetty as well. So they're always great fun to get down there. And remember, don't put your best jig on. You've your favorite fifty dollar, uh, sorry, lure because they got sharp teeth and that will bite you off. Snapper around the Perth Metro, showing their faces pretty pretty consistently now. So fresh squid is going to be your game changer. That's going to catch you more fish than pretty much anything else on its day. It just works. It stays on the hook well. And this is for the land-based guys too. You get those conditions, get your squid on your hook, nice squid ring, chuck it out. It stays on really well. The pickers can't get through it too quick, and you're going to see yourself with some snapper. Heading over to South Australia, Wallaroo is fishing really well for whiting. Uh, with a lot of fish over the 50 centimeter mark, Pat. So, like, I know that's, I know you looking at me probably laughing because it's, you know, South Australia fishes so well for big King George whiting. So, it's not a surprise to you, but here in Vic it is. So, it's fishing really, really well, uh, the whiting in South Oz. So, is the Australian salmon, Redmond, um, yeah, peninsula, there's huge salmon being caught off the beach, and SA Angler continues to report. Um, people continue to send in massive captures of Australian salmon off the beach. Once again, it's finding those gutters, those deeper waters, yep. being able to either cast in with uh, with metal lures or once again using um, you know bait through there, depending on tides. But it's it's been really impressive. And they're big, like they're big. Absolutely, salmon. they're up to three, four kilo at times. Like there's some stonking salmon through there, which is. Yeah, everyone loves getting on the beach and catching salmon, whether you eat it or use it for bait. Uh, and just the last one, we might throw two more in just quickly. Uh, Marion Bay is fishing well, Pat, offshore. Nanagai, school sharks, gummies, heading back towards the Vic border, South Oz border, Port Mac. We had some beautiful weather during the week. We saw some great barrel tuna. Now, we're not seeing the barrels out of Portland at the moment because we can't get to there with restrictions, etc. but I'm tipping that the fish at Port Mark, Portland, right through to Apollo Bay, those real big fish will be there. This time last year, fished very, very well. So if you do get the chance to get out there in the coming weeks or whatever it is, month, it's well worth heading. Well, I don't know if we're allowed into Port Mac, to be honest with you, Patrick, but the guys <laughs> no, in Port McDonald were definitely going to be enjoying it without the Vic guys there. But Portland is a place that hopefully we can get to very, very soon. And that pretty much takes us around what's been biting, Patrick. Got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. We're going to talk stereo options, what's out there, portable versus installing stereos in your boat. We're chatting to Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine around my new North Bank 750 and setting up the helm in a functional uh, way. All that is coming your way this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media every week. We're giving away real brand fishing gear to the best questions. So make sure you're joining the conversation. Send in a direct message to our social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Redmond, Patrick, being in lockdown and the boat ramp is further than 5Ks away, how would you recommend targeting gummies from the beach? This is from Alistair Gult. Good on you, Alistair. Um, relevant for you, Redmond, because you've spent um, plenty of time during the week fishing for gummies offshore. How are you targeting them off the beach? Good, Really good question. I enjoy talking about this, and I don't do enough of it, Pat. Like, I just don't. I, I wish that I did more of this because it is – it's great fun. It's literally great fun. The only thing that I can recommend is – 
summer. <laughs> I know we're, it, it's it's very cold at night. Like no, we're in spring now. Come well, on, we come are on. In, we're in spring. We're away, so we're in spring. But if you wear your waders, you're going to stay warm with a pair of pants under it, Pat. You're going to stay warm for sure. So you can waders is a must during this during the colder months. The water's only 13 degrees, just under 13 it was during the week, which is bloody cold. Like that's as cold as it nearly gets. And but when how, we had, how are you targeting them? What, yep. what water are you looking for? How close to a known reef do you need to be? Or are you just, you know, looking for a gutter? Spot on what you just said, Then Gutters and reefs are my two picks. If you can get a gutter running off the edge of a reef, and quite often you'll find that where a reef is, well, to give you an example, just uh, we'll go Kennet River. Kennet River is a right-hand surf break. And it, what happens is right on the reef in itself, the waves break very close to the reef. But on the actual just oh, 20 metres over, it's actually quite deep and the waves don't break, hence why you get a really good surf break that runs right-hand off the Kennet River. So if you can get a day with a small swell, and I know some people love fishing big swell, I can't stand it because my sinker gets pushed up and down the beach. I like the swell being small. I've always had my best success then. But I like getting it into the gutters next to those reefs, and that was just an example, Kennet River. But there's reefs everywhere. Like I live in sort of that Ocean Grove, Colondina way, and literally all the steps along here, I can find find reef. And what's on the edge of reef? You know those you're walking on reef, and all of a sudden you step off and you end up in a massive hole and you're waist deep. That's what I'm talking about. That sort of stuff. Those gutters. I'd be taking fresh baits, so salmon, some squid down there. And don't be afraid when you're chasing gummies off the beach to even run a big bait with a wire trace in it. And you only need 30 centimetres of trace. And you might pull out a big bronze whaler off the beach or anything. Like we might have a – if you head down to 90 mile, you get some serious big – you get makos off the beach down there as well. So there's plenty of different options to use. Gutters, fresh bait, and nighttime for me. And I like fishing the low tide. That's when your reefs are out, out, out further. And I like getting out to those reefs out a little bit further. And I like fishing the low tide just as it changes. And then as it comes back in, that's my prime time. And if you can do that after dark, and the reason I say after dark is because everything comes into the shallows during the nighttime, Pat, that's the time that I want to be chasing gumbos this time of the year or and even during the summer months with a nice cold uh, Carlton draft in my hand too. Good on you, Alistair. Great question. Uh, the next one's from Danny Viola. My 11-year-old son has shown a very keen interest in fishing after several trips between lockdown. So to enhance our fishing experience and to create some more lifelong memories, um, I purchased a 1990 Streaker Savage and would like a variety of locations I could take it for our first on-water experience. I'm not sure whether to take him up to the Murray, to Eildon, towards Bowen Heads. Cheers, guys. Well, firstly, Danny, well done, because wonderful boat, Redmond, the mm, Streaker 100%. Savages. Yep. Um, really, you're not stuck with a variety of options because that'll do most things. Um, I think if you're heading inland, Redmond, certainly Eildon, particularly after it has been heavily stocked uh, over the last few years with um, – with Vic Fisheries doing their, their work and and the fact that there's been few people fishing it because of lockdown. Um, once we're out, that's a that's a prime place to go and fish, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the, the only thing that I'm going to say is freshwater fishing, I don't care what anyone says, can, I find, difficult, more difficult to catch fish regularly than what it is in the saltwater. Uh, I know the redfin and whatnot can be a bit more plentiful at times, but 
for me, the Barwon Heads thing, I'd nearly put a line through that. I wouldn't go out offshore at the, for the minute with the young fella. I'd be getting him into Port Phillip Bay and heading out on the squid. And as the warmer, as it gets warmer, the squid are going to come more plentiful and just get thicker and thicker, as well as the flathead and the whiting. And I can pretty much guarantee that if you go out and drift off St. Leonard's in 20 metres of water, you, you could potentially catch 30 to 40 oversized flathead. Not only do you do it a great feed, but the young fellas also catching fish after fish after fish. And then when the tide slows down, come back into the shallows and the weed beds and get a, get a nice feed of calamari as well. So for me, don't get me wrong, fisheries do a great job stocking. They really, really do. But it'd be saltwater for me, heading out to flatty grounds, keeping him busy, keeping him catching. And when he gets sick of one thing, move to the next and keep 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 doing that. I think the other thing, Danny, um, and, and Aaron's a great example with Salt Guide, for a couple of bucks a week, you can get access to not only the best tips and tricks in order to to target these species of fish, but there's also really good guiding around where to actually uh, fish. There's GPS points and those sorts of things that, that, that Aaron's been using for years. So that's another really good recommendation. If you want to get your young family into fishing and you want a great chance of success, well, that's the best way to go about it. Uh, DJ and that's Taylor. why we built that's why we built Salt Guide, Pat. Literally, what you just said then. That's why Salt Guide is what it is. Saltguide.com.au. I'll give me a little plug because for people that just went out and purchased the boat, it takes a long time to for me to just to explain it on air to go out to this water and do this, do this, do this. It's as easy as that. With Salt Guide, it's literally in your hand, Pat. Each week, the report comes out and tells you what to do, and you're going to catch fish. Leave it at that. Good on you, Danny. Uh, Aaron. When you've finished filleting your catch, do you pack different species of fish in the same vacuum seal bag or do you keep them separate and does it affect the taste? DJ Taylor. I've never ever thought about that. I, I think – I reckon I Take separate. That as a no? I reckon I separate. Them. I really do. I'm, the only thing that I can think of that might sneak in is, you know, when you're whiting fishing and you get the odd half dozen flathead, a few of those might end up in the whiting bags, but – I'm going to go with no. I reckon I not not by any experience or taste or whatnot, Pat. But I reckon I reckon I, I reckon I separate them. To tell you the honest truth, what would you do? Nice work. Uh, I always separate them, and I don't know what it is. It's just a yeah. It's a it's just a thing. A weird thing. Yeah, it's just a thing. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily makes any difference to the flavour of the fish, especially given the fact that um, you you cook it, so you put it in a different batter or you you put a different seasoning over the top of it i don't think it changes the flavor but i don't know it's just one, one of those little nuances that i do last one from ben mclaughlin to round us out uh when you make an ice slurry what sort of consistency do you want and how much salt water do you add in cheers guys come on patrick you're a tuna champions where are we at <laughs> i got i'm a i'm a third because you don't want it to be too wet, Redmond. So for me, it's I always want the water to be cold. I just don't want fresh water on my fish. That's my number one rule. No fresh water on my fish. And obviously ice is fresh water. So I try and use – I actually do things a fair bit differently here. So for big for those tuna, when I gut them and gill them, Pat, I actually run an ice slurry. And like you said before, I run, say, four bags of ice and then I – will literally fill it up with salt water because I want the salt water to take over the fresh as much as possible. But with species such as whiting, I don't actually let them sit in water. I never do as I catch them. The reason for it, and same as snapper, I don't do it either. 
I get them to the temperature as cold as I can, but they're not going to heat up like bluefin. So I actually, in my cool box, you know those, you know your your milk cartons, Pat. I fill. I've got about twenty or thirty of them in my deep freeze that I fill up with water, and I run the. I I just put say half a dozen in my cool box each time we go out, and I actually keep the fish as a fridge rather than in water because I find it. It just even in the salt water, I find it just goes mushy. I always do. So if yep. I'm cleaning whiting, say this morning I caught them. I've come in now and say for example it's three p.m. Had a couple of beers with the boys, clean the boat, relax. All right, let's clean the fish. I find that when you put, you can actually take in the bones, you can push your hands through the flesh. It goes soft, especially whiting. So for me, it's about running sort of a fridge side of things rather than, when I say a fridge, a cool box without. Keeping cool. Yeah, keeping it cool rather than soaking in water. That's just the way that I like to do it. And I know other people have different theories, but spot on keeping the water off the fish for me works an absolute treat. All right, Redmond. Alistair was talking about gummy sharks. Uh, Danny had the 1990 streaker Savage. Uh, DJ Taylor was talking about uh, vacuum seal bags. Well, he he, he can't course. win it already because he's already made me look stupid. He didn't have the answer. <laughs> and, of course, Ben was talking about the ice slurry. Uh, the real brand gear this week goes to... I'm going Ben because that's a cracking question and I want to get I want people to experiment with what I said with the ice side of things. So like your, your bigger fish that you gill and gut, I guess you can, the slurry might work, but for the smaller whiting, the flattered and whatnot, for me, it's getting it out of the slurry and keeping it as cold as possible. So I'm going to throw it, I reckon Ben's way, if you're happy with that. Well, I'm not. I'm going to also pass. I think we'll do a double giveaway this week, Redmond, Danny right. Viola as well. So I'd love to, we've got some, uh, some gear for, for younger adults. So, um, the young fella, I reckon he gets a, um, a hat and a shirt as well, Redmond. So make sure, guys, you send us in a direct message and we'll send that gear out to you as soon as we can. That has been the social club. If you want to join in the conversation, make sure you head to our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning is Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine, the newly uh, the newly appointed Melbourne Marine Redmond because the new showrooms are spectacular. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Red. How are you going? Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, Andrew, because I actually got my boat to Andrew during the week, legally, 100% legal, got it over to Andrew, and uh, he's actually doing about the – 50,000th hour service on my engine already in a few months. So, unfortunately, I haven't got to see the new Melbourne Marine Centre yet, but uh, hopefully it's not too far away. You and I can get over there. Obviously been a big challenge, Andrew, given the fact that you've changed premise uh, to the wonderful new facility and then COVID hits and you're just not able to show it off. We've been waiting to to finally broadcast our show from the floor. We're still having to wait for that, but the business is still open. Yeah, that's right. Look, we're still, you know, working behind the scenes, doing our servicing, uh, fitting out boats and so forth, as you know, but obviously closed to the public at the moment. We can't let anybody into the shop or or into to look at new boats and those sorts of things, which is frustrating, but look, it is what it is. It's a shame because it's got of, such a beautiful tackle store, Pat. I've seen some seriously good videos and photos of it. There's nearly everything you need is in that tackle store upstairs. It's a cracker. It has been one of the big changes, Andrew, from 
the old store to the new one, the tackle offering. Obviously, Lee Rain is doing plenty of work at Melbourne Rent at the moment as well. It's a great offering now, isn't it? Yeah, look, um, the old place was good and served its purpose, but shifting into a, a bigger premises did allow us to expand uh, that side of the business and, and create, I guess, a greater offering to our customers for, for what we can provide from a tackle and boating accessories aspect. Now, talk us through the fit out of the 750, um, the, the dash componentry. Obviously, when the boat first arrives uh, from North Bank and, and Lonsdale in South Australia, it's, it's a bare hull. And then your charge with fit out. So where are we at? And Aaron, I know is keen to talk about dash placement and just how important that is to modern day fishing. Yeah, that's right. So when they come across to us from Rob, uh, basically it's a hull in the trailer. And then we do everything from wiring to installing the electronics, um, deck washers, live bait, tank plumbing, uh, you name it. We basically take care of it from, from there. So uh, it's good because it gives, obviously, people like yourself the opportunity to lay out the dash and, and build it to how you want it to look as well. So we, we certainly encourage our customers to um, have feedback on that because they can put their own personal touch on it at the same time. Is there any actual electronics left in the country or has Pat actually taken every element that Garmin has in their range? Mate, there's a fair bit of gear going into this boat. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of back orders on Garmin's list at the moment, so that could be a result of this 750 on the floor. Let's nineteen twenty five Hulk. We've been waiting for it that long, so it's yeah. been processed with COVID. Let's be honest. <laughs> yes, it has. It's had its, it's, had its moments. What about let's talk about the dash, uh, Andrew. With uh, Pat was pretty specific with what he wanted. What's he got? And where have you placed it? Because I know that a couple of things with sun and whatnot does play an effect. So how have you actually put – what have you actually put in the dash uh, Garmin-wise as well as fitting his control system too? Because you've got a joystick controller too, Pat, in there, which you probably didn't even know you had. But you've got a joystick controller in there, which is terrific too. But you've had to manage to fit that in as well as literally everything else that Pat has wanted in this space in front of you, which is only say not it's not it's not a massive space. So how have you done it? Um, so I think a couple of years ago, Rob changed the dash on the 750s and stood it up a little bit and and created a, a larger area to allow us to flush mount uh, bigger electronics because, you know, about like a 750, most people are, you know, wanting a minimum of a 16-inch screen. So, you know, that gets flush mounted into the dash. Then you've got your switch panels, your, your uh, switch there for your electric uh, anchor winch, trim tabs, push-button start <laughs> for the engines. Uh, and in terms of the joystick control, that's been mounted uh, in behind the control box. So we've had what we call a soap dish, um, but it's a, 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 what would you call it, I guess, a, a fitting inside the side pocket of the boat where the controls would, would go. Uh, it's shaped like a soap dish, but we've had that custom made by Rob to make it larger. So, Just going to jump Talk in. Us through the... I just want to go through this joystick. Now, Andrew, you haven't really dealt, had much experiences with the joystick in itself. It's a new product and whatnot. Are you excited to see how it actually works and basically, I guess, get to use it uh, for the first time? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's like I said, you said there, Aaron, it's nothing that we've done before, uh, and we're certainly excited to try it, especially on the 750, because it's going to just open up a new opportunity for people with that boat you know, going forward as well. Talk to us, Andrew, about the motors, the twin 200 Mercs. Um, 
clearly one of the challenges with any maxi trailer boat is keeping weight down, but you still want really good performance. Yeah, well, the 3.4-litre V6 Mercs are only 220 kilos a piece, so, you know, they're lightweight and plenty plenty of plenty of power. Um, so, you know, from that aspect of things, that does uh, help in the weight reduction of the overall package by keeping it nice and light. Um, I think you've kept the 350-litre fuel tank as well to, to help there, but, you know, some guys go that larger fuel tank, which can put you over the, the three-and-a-half tonne capacity when it is full of juice. What are your thoughts with the 750, Andrew, with a single engine on it? Pat's opted for the two 200s. What are your, what's, I don't know, would you put a single engine on a 750? Yeah, we, we're actually fitting a single one out now with a 300 um, beside Pat's boat as well. So, you know, they're, they're still a great boat with a single 300 on the back, um, plenty of top-end speed. And the thing with the 300, it's a V8, so you've got big capacity in that motor at 4.6 litres, and it pushes the 750 up onto the plane quite easily. Well, we're looking forward to the well, christening, I suppose, at some point, Aaron, when uh, when I'm back in the state and we're able to get out fishing. And obviously, it'll feature heavily throughout our real adventures. Adventures, Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine, thank you for joining us this morning. No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good Andrew, one. I can't wait to be the first to use the joystick and uh, let's test out Let's test out the, around the piers. What do you reckon, Andrew? Have a bit of fun. I might come join you. <laughs> I, I might just stay on the pier while you're doing that. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> It's time for Red's review. We love our products, Redmond, and this is for more of the, I suppose, the west of Australia. But when it comes to crayfish and pothauling, you've got something that makes that far, far easier. Don't forget about your old mates in South Australia, Pat. It's not too long ago that you were over there living there. uh, Time flies. You're having a bit of fun. You asked by once the BLA vertical capstan and pot hauler vc 900 now we all love crayfish there's rules and regs in every state so please use your, your guidelines on pretty much every state has a fantastic app now and read up what you can and can't do but if you are doing a lot of crayfish instead of hauling them up over the side this uh pot hauler works an absolute treat it saves you so much effort on your back and like i said before different states different rules on how many pots you can have and if you lift them a fair few pots up at a time, this is nearly a must. So marine-grade sealed motor, which is extremely important because you need it to last in that salt water. It's not loud, which is always terrific, and it pulls up to about 185 kilo. So realistically, that's a lot of crayfish. So <laughs> if you, uh, it's got a foot switch that comes with it and also a marine-grade circuit breaker, which uh, obviously is a key, and it's quite quick when it is retrieving it. You're not doing massive depths in South Australia. WA you might be if you're following those crazy that our mate Lecker likes to follow out to the continental shelf out in a few hundred metres of water. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a great a great product to have on your boat if you are a regular crayfish hunter with pots. And how uh, how much are we looking at when we're, we've obviously got to install it, but external to installing, what's the one-off cost to purchase it? It's roughly around that $900 mark. You might get it on a little bit of a discount here and there if you find the site, but the BLA, BLA website is selling them right now for $900. And like I said, it's a bit, well, sorry, it's a bit pricey, but if you are going to be using it a hell of a lot, well worth investment for the guys that are in South Australia, WA and whatnot, that are going to be pulling up pots regularly. And that there, Redmond, is Red's review. 
You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's tip and Redmond. When it comes to speed or the need for speed and docking, uh, power isn't always your enemy. No, it isn't. And it's going to be a little bit contradicting because you actually have passed me the, the sheet today of the flying gaff, so I'm going to get myself into a bit of trouble here. But speed is speed is fantastic in a way for when you're manoeuvring around things. Going super slow can actually work against you. And it's not necessarily the word speed as such, but it's power. So what I mean by that is if you're driving around the boat ramp and you're trying to get a park in amongst boats and you're going really slow and your engines and you're not using the power of your engine to actually push you to where you need to be, then you're not actually going to have that much control of your vessel. In but reverse, drift. you'll drift. You'll pretty much get pushed with the wind. And even when you're parking on a pier, you some people will say, oh, geez, you're so aggressive. I'm like, well, I probably showing off to be honest but it's it's actually not that aggressive i'm just using the power of the engine so i approach it on a slight angle this is to park on a pier and then hard in reverse to stop me and pull me towards the edge and i pretty much stop next to it nine times out of ten and that's by using the power of the engine but it's also to get yourself out of a problem too so if you've got a boat coming towards you drifting and you're not going to if you want to actually maneuver and get away from it if you just slowly accelerate and turn the steering wheel say left hand down you're just going to be like slowly going. And what I mean by slowly going, it's not actually the, – it's not the, the the speed you're going at. It's actually the turn that you want. And by pushing the throttle, it'll actually push you and get you out of the scenario that you need to be in, that you don't want to be in. That was Red's tip, and it's now time for the Flying Gaff, Patrick. Go on. Have a go. Well, the Flying Gaff this week uh... – Aaron, during the week, uh, found himself in a bit of a predicament. And, you know, let's be honest, you, you got a little bit uh, angry because you found a uh, an older citizen launching a boat with the Winnebago van, which you didn't take super well. So I'm not sure whether to gaff him or to gaff you, but you would like to gaff him because he, he may have taken up two ramps in the process in order to retrieve his boat. What I was more annoyed about, and because this goes back to the power thing. And I'm not going to get into the detail that I spoke to you about during the week because I'll probably get sacked pretty quick. But <laughs> what happened was... There's, there's, not a, there's not a huge amount of power from a Winnebago trying to pull in a two-ton boat. <laughs> well, that was the next bit that I didn't know. This the bit, I was approaching the pier and I was going against the ebb tide. I, was, I wasn't even going quick. There was a couple of kids fishing. I was only going probably around that seven or eight knots. Like, this is approaching the Bowenheads jetty. And... This guy has had a crack at my mate saying that I went too slow. There would have been a little bit of a wake. Going too fast, sorry, because there's a little bit of a wake there going against the tide, obviously. And he's had a crack. Meanwhile, for 20 minutes, he's taken up the whole ramp, had a crack at us, and he's the one that was literally there. And I understand we're all learning, but with a Winnebago, which is half deep into the water with your exhaust under, with your boat getting pushed on with the tide with ropes, I think it's time. It might be time, Patrick. It might be time to hang up the... Uh, Hang up the earmuffs. Thanks for your company this morning. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week on Real Adventures.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.